Well, I'm back. The World Journeys podcast. Andrew here from Andy's World Journeys, uh, which is the renamed name for my blog that used to be just World Journeys. Um, and today, in the second episode of this series, uh, we have Simba Masango talking to me. Um, I recorded this a few days ago. It's a great little interview that really gives you insight into what life uh, is like in Zimbabwe. Uh, Simba's very, very entertaining, so I hope you enjoy this interview. So, without further ado, may the podcast begin. Hello, and welcome to another episode, episode two of this series of World Journeys Podcast. Today, I am joined by Simba. Simba, what was, what's your surname, Simba? Masango. Masango. Which do you prefer? Masango. Masango. Yes. You've made it sound almost Japanese. No. Our phonetics are exactly the same as the Japanese phonetics. Oh. So I could read Jap- Japanese, but not understand what word I'm saying. I'm not sure that you use the same characters as the Japanese, though. No, no, no. <laughs> the writing came to us very late. <laughs> so, Simba, very, very uh, warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Would you like to tell uh, the listeners where you're from and uh, an interesting fact about yourself? I am from Zimbabwe, which is a Southern African country. Interesting fact about myself, I'm a soccer tragic, a cricket tragic. I don't know. Mm, soccer is pretty tragic. <laughs> no worries, but you're living now in Melbourne, Australia? Living in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, and I've invited you on the podcast because I thought you might might tell us a bit about Zimbabwe. A little about Africa. Yeah, Zimbabwe. <laughs> Just Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, South Africa. Zambia, yeah. Uh, haven't been... How, how many countries have you been to in your life? In Africa. Or in my life? Well, both. In Africa, I've been to Zimbabwe, because I was born there, Zambia, Botswana, South Africa. That's about that's about it, in Africa. And I've been to Dubai, United Arab Emirates. I've been to Singapore, and I've been to Australia. And how long have you been in Australia for now? I've been in Australia twice. As in, lived in Australia twice. I moved to Australia... In 2003 for, for school, I left in 2005 and swore to never come back again. But lo and behold, Zimbabwe became really crazy and nasty. And I came back in 2009. <laughs> so to, why did you swear never to come back to Australia? Oh, maybe because I came as a, as a young kid and I thought opportunity to be back home. And I was on a scholarship, so you know, you don't really get to do a lot because everything is all tied up. You have to do what your sponsors tell you to do and stuff. So when I went back, I thought, yay. Back home, independent, ready to do my thing. I had no idea what the government was ready to do as well. <laughs> so, yeah. So, at what point was there, um, you know, a significant uh, shift, I guess, in, in the politics in Zimbabwe that, that, that changed your thinking on that? And, and what were the events that sort of surrounded that? To be perfectly honest, I, I've got to say that the political shift did not occur at all. It's just that when I went back, whatever this political situation was, was favoring what I was doing. And uh, despite being exploitation of 
<laughs> the next part of government. It was working well for me and working well for what we're doing. And then all of a sudden they decided to change currency. The minute they said dollarize the economy and make it a US dollar based economy, everything got confused. Well, totally out of kilter. So I had to come back to somewhere which was more stable. And uh, yeah, Australia was the place. So uh, in Zimbabwe today, they, they no longer use the Zimbabwean dollar? or No, there's no Zimbabwean dollar. Now they use, they call it a multi currency economy but it's based on the US dollar rate so US dollar is the base rate so even if you go with the euro you can use it there as long as you they use the exchange rate with the US dollar but they don't print the Zimbabwean dollar anymore they don't print the Zimbabwean dollar but uh, about two years ago they couldn't get in they wouldn't weren't getting enough coins and then they decided to mint their own what they call special bond coins that's are coins that have the dollarization of the US dollar, so they're 25 cent coins, a 50 cent coin, and a, and a 10 cent bond coin, which is at the value of the US dollar. So it'll be 10 cents, 10 US cents, but can only ever be used in Zimbabwe. So that's what they did, just to try and beat the coin issue. No worries. Uh what about uh, tourism in Zimbabwe? How's tourism looking these days? And and did it used to be different? Going back to Zimbabwe now, like there are different stages of tourism in Zimbabwe. So when I grew up, tourism, as you would expect, in Zimbabwe would be one of the major foreign currency earners. So in the 90s, there was a large boom of tourism. Everyone wants to see the Victoria Falls. And because the Victoria Falls are on, you can see them from two countries. They're Zimbabwean, but you can see them from the Zambian side as well. So, um, during the 90s, everyone was coming to Zimbabwe. And then around 1999, 2000, 2001, when the first uh, land invasion started, people were now opting to go to Zambia. So when you say land invasion, what are you referring to for the listeners? So... In 1980, Zimbabwe became an independent country. Zimbabwe is uh, an agrarian-based uh, economy. So most of the land, arable land, was owned by white settlers. So then it went down to their family. So white farmers had most of the land. So in 1980, they had this treaty that they agreed with when they got independence from the Queen. And Science and Lancaster House um, agreement that they'll redistribute the land. So the land was redistributed and um, the British government refunded um, the owners of the land that was taken a value of the land. But because no one really cared then, everyone was happy about Zimbabwe being independent and no one really wanted to be a landowner, they all wanted to go and work in the city and do everything. So not many people went back to the land and got farms. So time elapsed, time elapsed, Mugabe's been in power, let's say, from 1980 to about 1998, there were food riots in 1998. A bunch of uh, war veterans that had fought the Liberation War were getting angry that they didn't get what they were told they were going to get after winning the war. They didn't get the free education, but they had gotten it, but the problem is that it didn't last for too long. 
because in 1985, the British government, because Zimbabwe was independent in 1980, so between 1885, we had a governor general, like what you guys have here, but this governor general was sent from England oh, okay. to oversee Zimbabwe. So we had some guy called Lord Salisbury. So he was in Zimbabwe until 1985. And we had our, our government was just like you guys, where prime minister was the head of state and the head of government was still um, the government, general. governor general and stuff. So 1985, when, when uh, Britain relinquished all their power and Zimbabwe was no longer are considered uh, under the governor general we moved to a presidium and executive presidency so the prime minister then was Robert Mugabe he became the president and all that and everything changed these guys didn't get the funds that they were meant to get for their farms so 1998 1999 after the food riots a bunch of war veterans that had fought the liberation war decided you know what we fought this war to get land we didn't get the land, so they went back to the farms. So basically, they pinpointed a couple of farms. And they went and just got to the farmhouse and say, All right, we've taken over. You guys, you got five hours to pack your stuff and go. And when you say pack your stuff, you're packing your clothing and the stuff inside your house. You're not packing the farming implements. That's not yours. <laughs> that's ours now. So that, those are the farm invasions. So during that time when there was a lot of, yeah, that app, that probably happened for about 10 years. We have never had an active uh, opposition party. But during that time, Zimbabwe ended up having an active opposition party, which is from so the Congress of Trade Unions. Their leader became the main opposition party. So about 10 years, the tourism was really bad. No one was really coming. People were coming to watch, see the Victoria Falls, but they were all coming through the Zambian side because you can't see them. And then some were getting lucky and were being allowed across the border because there's a border there that you can walk across to come to the Zimbabwean side. But the problem with that is they're not staying in Zimbabwean hotels. They're staying. And so they're just popping across the border to say they went to Zimbabwe. Exactly. And they, can, they went under the falls and everything. And South Africa uh, took advantage of that, took a major advantage of that because South Africa then was having tour guides like let's say from here like one of these Expedia's or all these tour companies you go to a city to they'll fly you to South Africa then because there's an airport in Victoria Falls so they'll fly you directly from South Africa to Victoria Falls you have a day tour back on the plane back to South Africa so Zimbabwe wasn't getting much of that so yeah kind of dwindled but from 2009-2010, when they dollarized the economy, it made more sense because when people come in with their money, the exchange rates were crazy. So people were being, Zimbabwe became too expensive and unsafe. What did the Zimbabwean dollar fall to? Like, how many were you getting for one US dollar? Uh, whatever number you get is a fake number because it ended up about 250 million. But remember, we got to remember that in three instances, the government of the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe removed three zeros from the currency. So when you think of that 250 million, you got to add about nine zeros because I know that there are three speeches that he removed three zeros from. So we would wake up one day and what was 10,000 is now $10. And then a year later, oh, what was 10,000 is now $10. 
And another year later, well, it was $10,000, not $10. Which means that that $10 is actually $10 million. So when you got $250 billion, you know, you, you've seen the $1 billion notes and that. Well, I knew that the, 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 the currency went crazy. But yeah, it went $1 billion, but remember, the six zeros that had been removed. So if those zeros went back on, totally crazy. So when they dollarized, it made more sense for tourists, because then they didn't need to change their money with this crazy system. So they just come with your money and it was and when I went back now, tourism is, is coming back. There's a lot of tour groups, a lot of tour companies that are doing stuff because uh because we've got a, got a large herd of elephants and both of them are in the wild. So we're not as um what can I say cleaned up as South Africa. So it's not they're not like parks with, with animals that are just being put together by someone. Most of it is just wildlife that's just been fenced out. So it kind of gives people a better feel of, of, um, it's not conservation, conservation like farms or whatever. That's like full on wildlife. So you got your wildlife and you've got Victoria Falls. What other wildlife. what other reasons would there be for people to go to Zimbabwe? Because it's not oh, just the, general. The gen it's not the uh, it's not the first country on people's yeah. Chocolate I mean, list. That's Victoria Falls is one of the seven wonders of the world, so that's great. You can tick that off. The people there are great. The food there is amazing. It's all what you would call here organic. Not because it's not by choice. It's because. That's all we've got. <laughs> you know, we can't really afford the antibiotics. So we're not putting any antibiotics in our cows. We need some in the hospitals. <laughs> so we don't have enough to put in animals. Yeah, but it's just general life. Like, um, I don't know what you call it, but it's like, if you want to, I think most of the third world is like this anyway, where you can see two different sets of life. There's a way in Australia here, you know, the, the disparity between the haves and the have-nots is very small. Whereas Zimbabwe is extremely large, you like feel like you're in two different countries when you're just driven 10 kilometers apart. That's how bad it is. And also, the, I mean, the fact that people still live um, rurally in some places where there's no electricity. And the thing is, they still have healthy babies. And everyone is still as healthy as 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 if they're living in in I don't know Sweden or something, <laughs> but it's that good. It's yeah, our flora and our fauna. That's what we can market because Zimbabwe is just beautiful. Like just looking at the land, the dryness. Because we've got like five different agricultural regions there, so the green, even the the semi-dry places, and it's amazing. You know, you've got the Eastern Highlands where you think to yourself, "Wow, this is the cleanest air I've ever." I've a breath, so taking a deep breath in, and then you drive. You don't drive long distances about. If you if you drive a thousand kilometers, you've crossed the border. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, like here where you drive a thousand kilometers, still in Australia. Zimbabwe, you drive a thousand kilometers in any direction, you're in a different country. Tell us about the cuisine. Because um, Zimbabwe was under British rule until 1980, so seriously influenced by. British culture. So it's just black pudding? Not 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 too much British, but then we have a lot of waffles. We have the same normal English meals, you know, bangers and mash and all that. You get that. But then what we eat by ourselves now, which uh, 
I don't think was influenced by anyone is we make the most use of a cow. So where you guys will discard the head, it's it's a delicacy, and they prepare it. And some and some. Um, How do you go about eating a cow's head? In some customs in Zimbabwe, the cow's head is special, and when it's being cooked, better not a lot near it. And the women are not supposed to be dressed in some cultures, but it's very rare now. But they prepare it, they burn it up, get rid of the skin, you know, and it's amazing. I don't eat it. <laughs> well, my wife does, my wife loves all that. So they eat the cow's head, they eat the hooves, that's a specialty. They call them, I can say my word, like they call Mazondo, where you eat the, the knuckle bone and everything of the cow. That's an amazing speciality. Then the intestines wow they're great you can fry them you can put them on a barbecue it keeps wanting to say bribe it it's called a barbecue here and uh then the stomach lining that's amazing as well and then the kidneys are obviously you guys get kidneys here as well and the liver is amazing i mean a liver is a delicacy liver is more expensive than normal meat but you find it here for two dollars a kg i'm like yay <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm going to guess that uh, Zimbabwean cuisine is very much meat-based. Meat-based and a lot of carbohydrate. Like, you know how they say here, like, um, I mean, I've got a dietitian that says, you need to see a lot of color in your plate in Zimbabwe. If you've got brown and white, you're fine. Brown being the meat, white being rice, or what we call the maize meat, maize. Called salsa. That's your meal. And then if, if you push it, you have a little bit of greens. Yeah, but it kind of means if you have more greens than brown, it means that you're not really, you're not, you're not really enjoying yourself. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, our main meals. That means a lot of uh, people that don't know that they're diabetic, but they probably are. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's a high sugar diet, though. No, it's not a high sugar diet. It's not a high sugar diet. But then most people that... Like I'll say, my father drinks a lot of tea, and you probably put in a normal teacup. You'll probably put three sugars. That's a lot. That's a lot of sugar. I don't. I That's don't, a lot of sugar. I have any sugar in my tea. And my father does not want to see brown sugar. Well, I don't take sugar anymore, mainly because I'm here and doctor says a lot of things there. But <laughs> it's a yeah, when they got sugar, they have a lot of sugar. But then it's not really based on sugar. Our diet is is very much carbohydrate based, and it's very easy for kids to be malnutritioned because of that. So, what about the capital Harare? Harare. What sort of town is that? Is that a? I mean, is that going to be of interest to backpackers or tourists? Yes, yes, yes. It is now. Now it is. It wasn't safe before. As in, wasn't as safe. If I say wasn't safe, that's all right. The areas in Harare that you wouldn't move around alone. And I'm pretty sure that if you go to Harare, you realize that I'm better off not being alone here. And, uh, Is that any time, day or night? Or, or specifically or, night? Or? Specifically night, but for your own safety, there's a lot of human traffic in some areas. So you're better off being with someone just to be safe. Even I, even... You can tell that I'm, I am, uh, they call us people from the diaspora, yeah? You can tell, they can tell if someone hasn't been around. The diaspora, what yeah. does that mean? So diaspora must be 
people that uh, like expats. Ah, okay. You expats of that, like you probably have lots of Australians working in universities in Zimbabwe. Like, yeah, so there'll be Australians in the diaspora. So I'm like a Zimbabwean in the diaspora. The diaspora. Some people say diaspora. South Africa say diaspora, but I think diaspora is normal. So they can tell if someone. It's easy to tell in Zimbabwe if you're not quite indoors in this in the situation. There's a lot of street kids, a lot of people trying to do stuff. So it's best not to be alone and. But in the town, in the capital city, Harare is not as big, Harare is not as uh, decentralized as Melbourne. Harare is probably bigger than Melbourne in terms of, in terms of square meters and stuff. But it's not as decentralized, because Melbourne has so many malls everywhere. Now, in Zimbabwe, most of the things happen in the city. What you guys call the city. Like, so go to Harare, say someone want to go to the city. No, we refer to it as town. So town, like there's a town center, and everything happens from that, from the CBD, everything. Like, yeah. That's where the happening places are. That's where you go to the banks, and that's where you do have malls around. But if you really want to get everything, you need to go to town. And uh, what would what would what would the tourists be looking for in Harare? In Harare, it's it's mainly the buildings because Harare, Zimbabwe was a. Uh, a lot of Victorian buildings because because of uh, colonization, Zimbabwe was major the major capital for Zambia, Zimbabwe, and Tanzania. So they developed Zimbabwe a lot, Harare. So Salisbury was the capital for Rhodesia, which was Rhodesia was uh, Zambia and Zimbabwe and Nyasaland, which is now called Tanzania, uh, Malawi. I mean, so there are a lot of Victorian buildings. And you can see the old architecture, and you can see even if you if you to look at Harare from the top, you can see the pattern of how things were set out, because you can see that in the east, east northeast is always that's a lavish areas. My father kept on saying that because the the colonizers did not want. The sun in their faces. So if you live in the northeast and you're going to town, most walk in town. So when you're driving to town, the sun's behind you. When you're driving home after work, the sun's all behind you. So you can tell that's where all the affluent areas. But you can also tell that in every block of affluency, there's always an outskirt of a high density suburb, which is to house their domestic staff. Oh, okay. So because that's where most of the uprising started these um, offshoots became larger and uh, they are seriously densely populated. So like I was saying, like, you can have an acre of land, only three people living there. Go to an acre of land just down the road and you're gonna have maybe 50, like 150 people living there. That's how bad it is. So maybe people that are just like, uh, just wanna see what how things developed. You, you go to Harare and you see how you can merge mod modernity and uh, and land. Because here, you, when you when you guys have uh, new outsets and you destroy all the floor, just destroy it and have housing. Now we've got natural sanctuaries. We don't have to put a little pocket and put fake waterways in there. They're there, and because we we they can't reroute them, they'll just build amongst them. So as much as it looks beautiful, 
It's mainly because they don't know, they can't afford to get rid of it. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what I think um, tourists would like. It's an amazing place to be. It's an, it's an amazing place to see. Like, I went back now and I felt like a tourist. I went back about like, a month ago. And the way you see how things have developed and uh, how the old things are still there. And I'm not sure if they have heritage, heritage listing. I hope they do because it seems like people are building modern houses next to the next to the old buildings and it just looks like it's joining in properly and uh, we've got a there, there's this big garden in the middle of the city called uh, it used to be called uh, the Union Garden I didn't know what it was called the Union Garden well then if you look at it from the top it's the shape of the Jack Union Jack so it's now called I don't know what they call it Unity Square or something <laughs> they tried to, to get rid of the Union part oh. yeah and how about uh, how about the neighbours Botswana, Zambia, South Africa? You said you visited. Yeah. What's uh, what's interesting about those places? Just something quick for each one of those, or Z Zambia. You want to say you know Botswana's rubbish? Don't go there. Come to Zimbabwe. Fair enough. No, no, no. Z Botswana's got Botswana's probably got uh, the Delta, the Delta, the Okavango Delta, yeah, and it's got a lot of. Um, the Bushmen people are preserved and stuff, so it's got a. It's a very big and most of it's a desert, and it's a, there's only about three, about three and a half million or something in Botswana, and it's as big as Zimbabwe probably. Botswana is beautiful. It's got great parks. It's got great parks because they, 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 they are met, they're conserved and everything, and it's got a lot of lions. Uh, Zambia, Zambia, if you really like mining. It's got a lot of mining <laughs> happening in Zambia, and it's it's. I think Zambia is a bit confused sometimes because they've come across a lot of money now, so it wasn't planned out properly. I think the Western Bosnia their resources planning out Harare, but that's Zambia. South Africa, South Africa to South Africa is like Australia and Zimbabwe mixed, because you got the part that looks great that looks like Australia, and you got a part that looks like downtown Zimbabwe, all in one country. So. Yeah, that's South Africa. And Zimbabwe is safer than South Africa. Zimbabweans are afraid to do things like hijack. They might con you out of money, but they're too afraid to hijack because they're a bunch of sissies. <laughs> they're afraid to hijack. Oh, cause, um, because of the connotations, a lot of uh, belief and stuff that could happen to you if you, <laughs> if you kill someone or do something like that. Especially in the Shana culture. The Shana people are very rarely... Uh, use knives and stuff whereas in the Bele Zulus they they're afraid of that so it's more predominantly Shana so they'll con you out of stuff yeah they con you yeah sell you stuff that doesn't work like they'll sell you an iPhone 6 with the Android software that kind of stuff <laughs> so just don't buy anything there <laughs> don't buy anything no 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 you buy everything else buy stuff that is made there if they tell you you don't buy it, you don't have an Apple company there don't, don't buy an Apple phone there. oh well thank you very much <laughs> no, no problem no. for coming and letting us uh, and, and uh, informing the listeners about uh, you know a country that they they may not know too much about yeah. but before you go mm -hmm. as I was telling you that's the sound of me organising my stopwatch. Uh, we're going to play the 
World Journeys Capital City Challenge. <laughs> now, firstly, I will give you uh, you got 30 seconds. Uh -huh. See how many you get right. I okay. will give you a, um, a capital city and okay. you have to tell me the country, okay? Oh, cool. Now, after that, we'll swap it around. I'll give you the country, then you have to give me the capital city. city. No problem. Okay, so, are you ready? I'm ready. You fired up? Uh, I'm ready. Okay, your time starts now. Berlin. Germany. Brussels. Belgium. Baghdad. Iraq. Abuja. Nigeria, Abuja. Very good. Uh, Kigali. Oh, I know Kigali. Sudan. No, that's Rwanda. <laughs> uh, Luanda. Luanda. Malawi. No, Angola. <laughs> on four, and you were really good until I started until to do Africa. the African capital. <laughs> it shows you how I spent too much time in the foreign world. Oh, let me find another page. Okay. Okay, you ready for what uh, most people consider to be the harder part of the challenge? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Part two starts now. Australia. Canberra. New Zealand. Wellington. Oh, very good. Uh, Malaysia. Pass. Kuala Lumpur. Uh, South Korea. Beijing? No, Seoul. <laughs> Seoul. Canada. Ottawa. Yes. Burkina Faso. <laughs> oh, Wagadugu. Oh, I can't give you that. But it is correct. <laughs> it is correct, yeah. It is correct. I should know I've been there twice. <laughs> I, I, I know, but I did. never been to Zimbabwe, but I've been to Wagadugu twice. Yeah, Wagadugu. I just thought I knew that. <laughs> so I think you had eight there. It was seven or eight. Yeah. Which puts you somewhere in the middle, I think. Middle? I should be at the top. No, that's oh, okay. <laughs> I thought by feeding you African uh, capitals. I was hoping you all give me the African capitals. Don't give me any above the equator in Africa. Just give me above the equator in Africa. Well, I think most of them were below the equator. <clears throat> Rwanda is. Angola is. Well, Angola is. Yeah, that's Luanda, yeah. And uh, you asked me in Rwanda. Now, well, I did ask you in Rwanda. Yeah. That was Kigali. Yeah. No worries. Uh, thank you. Uh, do you have any sort of social media presence? Do people want to follow you on Twitter or something? Ah. Uh, I got social media presence on Twitter, but only if you're a soccer freak, that's all I do on Twitter. It's at Akbenadir. Don't ask me why I call myself Akbenadir. Akbenadir. Yeah. A K H B A R N A D I R. Akbenadir. Yeah, that's my Twitter presence. That's no only worries. social media I'm on. No worries. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. That's all right. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> that's, all, that's, that's the crew. Okay. That's Thanks, the crew. guys. No worries. Round cool. of applause. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tim. No Simba. problem. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Simba. He was uh, fantastic to have on the podcast. He's got a lot of interesting stories and uh, gave a little insight into um, a country that's not on the top of everyone's uh, travel list, and that's Zimbabwe. Just for the record, Simba got seven on the Capital City Challenge, which puts him somewhere in the middle. It wasn't such a bad effort. Next week, do we have a podcast for you? The very personable and talented Michael Davron 
is uh, joining me on the podcast, and we are talking about cruise ships. If you ever wanted to work on a cruise ship, if you ever wonder what it's like to work on a cruise ship, uh, you want to hear a couple of funny stories about working on a cruise ship, then next week's podcast is going to be very interesting for you. Thank you, and goodbye for now. And of course, always, may the journey never end.